Welcome to NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, Brian Samudio here with you. Um, anything happen over the weekend that we <laughs> want to talk about? How was Thanksgiving, first off? Alex? It was great. Yeah. Great uh, little 18-pound bird. Nice. Uh, I feel like it was well executed. It was tasty. <laughs> uh, still eating the leftovers. Yep. I feel like I've gained probably at least eight pounds mm -hmm. by now. Uh, the leftover turkey sandwiches have been great. Uh, so yeah, Thanksgiving was good. Good time with family, and and it felt like Christmas. Yeah, there's how much snow oh, we had. Snow, it, yeah. felt, it felt like it was like Christmas morning. Didn't get to ski, but uh, hoping to get out there this week. How about the Murray household? Yeah, it was very good. The Bills got a win, so I was happy about that. Everybody was able to get in safely, but it uh, it really was just an appetizer to what went down on Saturday. Yeah, obviously. yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that here shortly. Uh, Bishop Minogue also in the state semifinals. It was crazy in our household. Every team that we root for. Lost this weekend, <laughs> but it was a great Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Chase Blueberg is also going to be on the show. Uh, Carson High School graduate, former baseball player, now turned bobsledder. So uh, his cool story, story is amazing. That's it's awesome. a great story. And uh, Nevada women split in the uh, Nugget uh, Classic over the weekend, and uh, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, Nevada and UNLV, another one of those chapters. And uh, you know what? Uh, you got to give credit to the Rebels in this one because they came out. They came out fast. They came out composed. Nobody was composed at the end of this, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, UNLV gets the win and keeps the cannon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think bottom line is they made more big plays. Mm -hmm. I mean, the 80-yard the run that they had in the first half, that 80 or so yard or so pass uh, that they had early in the game were huge and, and getting out to that 17 nothing lead. It felt like Nevada was going to rally back. Just yeah. the way the game was set up, I could, I could tell that UNLV was getting worn down. I think that was Nevada's strategy as the game got on. Um, but, you know, the, the Elijah Cooks play in the first half where he doesn't catch that ball or, or at least in the eyes of the referees hold on to it long enough to mm -hmm. garner a touchdown catch and then not getting the field goal, you know, those points were, were huge uh, for the Wolfpack. Give the team credit for, for rallying and, and hanging in this game. It was not easy to uh, come back down 14, but they did it twice. Uh, and to, to give themselves a chance in the game, that was certainly, uh, I, I think that was well done by Nevada. But in the end, you know, UNLV makes that great play again in, in, in the overtime. Uh, a great route, great catch. And uh, UNLV stuns the Wolfpack for the second year in a row. It's, it's, it's hard to believe that this is what we're talking about here today. I, I thought Nevada was, was going to finish this one out strong. But uh, ultimately, you, know, you never know what's going to happen sometimes mm -hmm. in these rivalry games. Big plays, Chris, and this one for the Rebels on their side. And able to respond when Nevada did come out and score or rallied. And granted, this game did go to overtime. And uh, the Pack unable to score a touchdown. They have to settle for the field goal. Then Kenyon Oblad with the... Uh, the touchdown pass in overtime, but uh, big plays were huge for UNLV in this Yeah, no, UNLV made all the big plays. They had an 80-yard touchdown, a 75-yard touchdown, a 32-yard touchdown, and they came up with the big play in overtime to be able to put it in the end zone and not have to rely on a field goal kicker to try and make a kick. But this is going to end up being one of the most memorable games in the rivalry's history. Yeah. Now, I don't think anybody likes how the game ended, but there have been fisticuffs. There have been melees in this rivalry before, so this is not unusual. But, I mean, to have a pregame uh, marriage proposal that is accepted mm -hmm. and then have uh, UNLV jump out to such a great Great uh, start, and then it to go into overtime for the first time in the 45 games that these two teams have played, and then to have it end yeah. uh, with a fight. Unfortunately, this is going to be a game that people remember as one of the five uh, best, most heated, mm -hmm. uh, probably one of the games that both best sums up what this rivalry is about. It just showed me how much people actually do care about this game, not only uh, obviously on the field, but in the stands as well. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to see it boil over in the nature that it did, but it shows the passion that goes behind trying to win the Fremont County, how much UNLV wanted to keep that thing right, even though they.
their coach was was heading out the door and how much Nevada wanted to bring it back uh, to try and be able to say, uh, you know, we own this state again, which they can't say because they lost, unfortunately, the candidate for a second straight season. Kind of blows me away to think about that, though. 45 meetings between these two teams. The 50th anniversary, there's been a few years they didn't play, but 45 times these two teams have met on the gridiron not a single time had it gone to overtime. That was hard for me to believe. Right. Um, I, I wanted it to go longer. It was kind of disappointing <laughs> that maybe there wasn't a field goal from UNLV and just, just see this game continue because it got really good, especially at the end. Uh, and it was kind of a shocking way for it, to, for, for it to end. I don't think people expected UNLV to get that touchdown as quickly as they did. And, and Nevada certainly had the momentum going into overtime after they had basically took over the game both on offense and defense. But in the end, you know, there's two drives. One at the end of the game, Nevada had a chance. They had plenty of time on the clock and, and good positioning mm -hmm. where they could have gone down and they could have won it before going to overtime. And then you get the ball first, and Nevada just could not move it. And, right. and that was – it kind of encapsulated a lot of what we've seen from this team during the season. It's just the inconsistency. You know, we've seen moments of brilliance from them on the football field this year, and we've seen moments where they've just kicked some – you know, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And we saw both of those things in this football game. So maybe it shouldn't come – as a huge surprise to see the outcome because of that inconsistency. Unfortunately, this game is going to be remembered for the fight. Mm -hmm. It's going to be remembered for a brawl, and you're going to have both sides uh, pointing fingers at each other. We have three different angles of this. This is Julian Delgadio down on the field. Um, he was actually shooting the highlights, so you don't get to see what really triggered this from this angle, but you see you know, players throwing punches both sides. Uh, unfortunately, then uh, you know, the fans get involved down here in front of the zoning section. and one person actually jumps over the rail and jumps into the melee. And I don't know what the heck you're doing there. Mm. I really don't get that. It's disappointing. It's ugly. Um, up top, this is Steve Niels, our, our photographer from up, up top. His view of it, you see the helmet get ripped off of a player and then return very quickly. But there's no place for this. Mm -hmm. None. In any sport, any rivalry, there's no place for this. It was ugly. It was ugly, and it, no one looks good. Nobody no looks, one looks good, good in here. this. I mean, UNLV doesn't look good as soon as they catch the game-winning touchdown to run up to Nevada's sideline. You know, go back and celebrate with your own team. Mm -hmm. uh, Austin Arnold, we'll see that video in a moment of him, uh, you know, whether it was a shove or a punch from behind. Uh, that really probably sparked the, the, the biggest part of this brawl. Uh, that w certainly wasn't good. And the, the fans, th this is unacceptable to be throwing bottles. Uh, it, it's disappointing. It's yeah. disappointing to see uh, this is how the Nevada fans responded to a, a great football game. I know how emotional it is, but really there, there's no place for fans to be throwing bottles no. and throwing trash and climbing over and trying to join, join the, the brawl. Look, you're, you're not playing the game. I, I get it. Like, you're upset, and, and you can go home upset and do all those things, but – Throwing things and trying to get yourself involved in this fight, uh, not okay. And, and uh, really disappointing to see that that all happened. Brian Copa, our director, staying with us here. If you can go to the next piece of video, this is Anthony Resnick shooting on what's called a DSLR camera down low. And the final play, Chris, I want you to kind of just tell me what you're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a bust in the coverage. Either Lawson Hall or Gabe Sewell had a bit of a mix-up, and UNLV scored the game-winning touchdown, and they go to celebrate. And obviously, uh, I wouldn't condone UNLV's player running by the sideline up here and, and going and, uh, you know, uh, kind of rubbing it in. But Austin Arnold right there with a the push from behind, it may have been a punch, depending upon what you want to call it, and that's really sparked everything. I mean, if you go and push my quarterback down from behind, I'm going to attack you as well. And then it just breaks out from there. And then you have everybody throwing punches. You have everybody pushing around. It kind of gets pushed up against the zony section in the south end zone. So this really was sparked 
by Austin Arnold coming from behind and hitting uh, Kenyon uh, Oblot. And, and whether uh, Kenyon said something or not, you cannot react in that kind of a way to where you're, you're sparking this. I mean, mm -hmm. this is Austin Arnold uh, making the first move to spark a brawl. And I'm in 100% agreement uh, with Alex that uh, the fans, to me, are the ones that um, uh, shoulder maybe the most of the blame. Uh, because I can see players getting a little upset once once it broke out. It's emotional. This. You're out there playing. Yeah, Look, but it, it if you're, you're a loser if you're yeah. in the fans and you're throwing stuff at players. You can yell at players. You can do whatever you want verbally. You mm. cannot rip off their helmet. You cannot jump onto the field. You cannot throw snowballs at them. You cannot throw beer cans at no. them. We know two photographers from down in the Las Vegas area that were hit either by a soda bottle or a beer bottle, and you can't have that on a field. That mm. gives all of Reno a bad reputation, and 95% of the fans in Reno uh, that support the Wolfpack are great people and great fans, but they're not going to be remembered as that because the 5% uh, couldn't handle themselves when things got adverse. When their team lost and a, bro a fight broke out, yeah, you can yell, do whatever you want to do, but you do not take part in it by throwing stuff, uh, by ripping a helmet off, which could, I mean, you could hurt someone's neck by doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I just think it was despicable behavior by a certain group of the fans. Uh, you know, you could throw middle fingers, you could do whatever you want, um, but you can't get that involved to where you're jumping on the field or you're throwing stuff at players or coaches. That's just crossed the line, uh, and it's very unfortunate the game will be remembered for this because it was an epic game just on the field. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's 33-30, a classic Fremont Cannon battle between these two schools that are very proud, have very, very you know fiery fan bases, but this to me is ugly. It reminds me of 95. It, it wasn't literally the brawl that it was, but and then, of course, the shot of Quentin Conaway. Um, they're trying to console. It was emotional, man. I, I got to tell you, I was I was down on the field, you know, doing sideline, and and it was a, a very emotional scene. Uh, first, of, with the the physical aspect of it and the brawl and, and all that, and then you know what was left behind of that. A lot of stunned Wolfpack players. I mean, Daniel Brown sat in the end zone uh, for for a solid couple of minutes and just kind of took it in. And eventually, got up and and. Ran to the 50-yard line. I'd watch him get on his knees and, and kiss the Mackey Stadium turf, knowing this was it. Mm -hmm. You know, this was his senior season, his last time at Mackey Stadium. And I'm sure it was very difficult for a lot of these players to come to the grips that this is how their senior season was going to end at Mackey Stadium. I right. don't think anyone thought that was coming. I don't think Quentin Conaway thought that was coming. I mean, what an amazing start to his day. He proposes to his girlfriend uh, right after the senior day ceremony, and it ends with him sitting near the goal line in disbelief. Yeah. And, and uh and that was a tough scene to watch. A lot of these kids that you've seen pour their hearts and soul uh, into being part of this Wolfpack football program and how badly they wanted to be the group to reclaim the cannon and, and bring that thing back for the fans and, and for the football team. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was tough to see, you know, how emotional it was for, for a lot of these guys. And it, I, I think if there's a question fans are asking, like, did the players care? Like, yeah, they definitely care. There were a oh, lot man. of guys in that locker room that really, really cared uh, and and you know, this wasn't out of a lack of, oh, we're looking past this or this game doesn't mean anything to mm -hmm. certain players anymore. I, I think it did mean a lot to uh, a lot of players in that locker room. And, and you know, that's what it's sports. You know, mm -hmm. you, you win some, you lose some. Someone has to win, someone has to lose. And um, like you said, it's, it's a game that will go down, I, I think, in the history of this rivalry. And I, to me, you look at this game next year, uh, talk about fuel. I mean, mm -hmm. now two years in a row, Nevada's lost this game and, and – it's been in wild fashions. One, you blow a big lead, and now the second one that ends in overtime. Man, I mean, the the third round of this coming up next next year has got to be uh, one one for the ages again. Let's go to uh, Jay Norvell after the game, being asked about what he saw in this post game melee. No, I don't really know what happened. So, I mean, I just, I, you know, I'm very proud of how our kids act and respond, and 
you know, everybody's an adult. Everybody's responsible for, for uh, their own actions. And uh, I'm not sure what happened. Um, I just know their whole team ran over to us after the game. I know that. I was standing there when they did it. So um, I'm not making excuses for anybody's actions. I just I don't know what happened, so I can't really comment on it. Just a lot of things that were unnecessary at the end of this game. I mean, I understand that um, you know emotions are running high, and, and and this is a rivalry that is you know verbally uh, expressed through yeah. the entire year. These are a lot of these players have a history of each other going back through high school. Nevada and UNLV recruit the same territory. A lot of Vegas kids. A lot of Vegas kids involved in here. And you look at. Uh, Austin, Arnold, Austin Arnold and Kenyon Oblad, both yep. Southern Nevada natives, only mm -hmm. a couple of years apart. But you look at some of the personalities that are right in the middle of this, and this just makes me think this is going to be now a rivalry. It's not going to be 9 out of 10, uh, Nevada winning 9 out of 10 anymore. Mm -hmm. Kenyon Oblad is a capable quarterback. He's a talented quarterback. And uh, honestly, the, the loss of their starter might be the best thing that happened to UNLV, UNLV this year because um, the next coach is inheriting a talented quarterback and on the other side you got Carson Strong yeah and Carson took a lot of this right on the chin in yeah. that postgame press conference yeah I thought Carson was great in the game and I thought he was great in the postgame just talking about how much this meant to him how down he was how heartbroken he was and that his players and teammates can't react negatively if, if there's being trash talk uh, on the field I think uh, Carson really shown in this game and I think he really shown all of November I think he played terrific at the end of the season we're gonna have a lot of matchups between these two quarterbacks moving forward it's mm -hmm. kind of a shame that this fight does overshadow how great Carson played mm -hmm. it overshadows uh, Elijah Cooks going over 100 yards yeah. for the first time in his career and absolutely dominating the game uh, you know 13 catches uh, 150 plus yards uh, Dominic Christian a senior fifth year senior at Nevada his career high in catches was three comes out and puts up uh, double-digit catches and you know really played a, a heroic game until he hurt his ankle and couldn't mm -hmm. play in the, the the last fourth quarter there and overtime so uh, there were a lot of great individual performances that we haven't been able to talk about yeah. because of the fight but that's how it's going to be remembered and yep. it's unfortunate and uh, Austin Arnold is a good kid every time I've talked to him he's been a stand-up guy he made a stupid decision here a lot mm -hmm. of people on the field made a stupid decision and a lot of people in the stands made a stupid decision so I would not uh, you know color any individual player on either side of this rivalry as being a bad kid for one act uh, in a moment of really emotional emotional times, um, but you just can't react like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Austin Arnold can't react like that, and he's going to be punished. And a lot of people in this game should be punished. Yeah. They should be held out. They should be suspended. This is not a public reprimand kind of situation for the Mountain West. And they're taking their time, and they need to see as much footage as they can. Um, but you just can't act like this on a field. No. Like, you can get uh, upset. You could push a little bit, but you can't have a full-on brawl. That's every, every national media that is talking about this game, they're talking about the brawl. And that, is that how you want your university being talked about, your rivalry being talked about? about uh, for Nevada and UNLV, I think the answer is no. Absolutely. Unfortunate, but this is something that's going to be discussed for, uh, I would imagine, days, weeks, and months uh, coming up. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Bishop Minogue in the state semifinals against, yeah, the team that slayed the Bishop Gorman Dragon, and it did not go the Miners' way. We'll hear from Coach Howron next. The Liberty Patriots knocked off Bishop Gorman in a stunner down in Southern Nevada, and that earned them a spot to play in the snow up here in Reno against Bishop Minogue. And, uh, and over the Miners, the Miners uh, held strong for a while, but in the end, Liberty ends up taking it and advancing to the state championship. Yeah, it's too bad, considering this is the first year Bishop Gorman is not in this game, and, and what an opportunity for a, a team from the north to, to finally capture a state championship again. It would have been the first time 
uh, since 2008 to have that opportunity like McQueen did. And, and uh, you know, like you said, they, they put forth the great effort. It was a really close game, but Liberty pulled ahead in, in the end. And, you know, congratulations to them. I mean, Liberty, like a lot of teams in Las Vegas, have been sitting around as the, the kind of little stepbrother to, to Bishop Gorman, and now they get an opportunity. So that's, that's, that's neat for them, and, and uh, what a great season for the Miners and Ernie Howran. Uh, they had some real ups and downs, and, and to uh, capture a North title for a second consecutive year and, and be in this opportunity was, was definitely a success for them. Now, do we, do we think that there is a swing of power now uh, across the state? I mean, full credit to Liberty. This is a good football team. And, uh, I mean, but if you told me six months ago it would be Liberty Centennial in the state championship game, I probably wouldn't have bought that. I, that would be definitely a no bet for me, Chris. But do you think that there is, do you think there's a swing in power down in the South? I mean, I think Gorman's still going to be the team to have to go through. Are they going to rip off 10 straight state championships? Probably not because mm -hmm. a lot of the teams in Las Vegas have risen up. They've kind of stepped to the challenge of Bishop Gorman and said, you know, if we want to beat him, we got to get better. Nobody's going to kick him out of the NIAA. So mm -hmm. uh, I do think Gorman's always going to be the team to beat. But a lot of these teams have gotten a lot better. They've mm -hmm. become national level teams. And uh, I was actually a little bit surprised. I mean, Minogue was winning this game by 10 points midway through the third quarter. They really did stand mm -hmm. in there and they were very, very competitive with a very good team and just, you know, did, they couldn't sustain it over the 60 minutes and Liberty kind of, you know, put the thump on them at the end of the game. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's still Gorman and I think it's going to be Minogue in the north for the foreseeable future as long mm -hmm. as Ernie Howard is there uh, more years under his system more years beating the uh, building the feeder system uh, more years being able to tell kids like if you come here we'll really be able to win some you know state championships so uh, you know I think Minogue will get to a point where they can actually challenge Gorman as well so while I think there are more teams in the Silver State that can beat Bishop Gorman uh, I still think you're going to see Bishop Gorman probably win in 70 80 percent of the state championships in football. All right we caught up with head coach Ernie Howard after the loss in the state semifinals to Liberty. Well, I mean, uh, wish we would have come out and gotten the victory. Unfortunately, uh, we did some things in the, the second half that uh, we didn't capitalize on a couple of opportunities we had and or created some bad plays. Oh, I'm really proud of the kids. You know, like I told them, I said, you know, never, if you're not winning that last one, it's not ending the way you wanted. So uh, it, it, it hurts. But at the same time, I'm really proud of what they've done to get to this point. Well, I tell you one thing, uh, you know, credit to, uh, Liberty. They started running the football, and we had a hard time stopping the run in the second half, and that's kind of they, they wore, wore us down at that point. Well, those two backs are uh, pretty powerful guys, huh? <laughs> yeah, three. I mean, start thirty or five. Those uh -huh. guys can run the football. Good, yeah. good, talented young men. All right, thank you to Ernie Hammer. Obviously, emotional after after a loss like that. But um, yeah, looking forward. You know, the North, the North is going to be all right. I mean, you got Bishop, you got Bishop Minogue, who's who's got a great coaching staff. I mean, Damani Ranch returns an incredible staff and and talents um, across of Reed. I mean, Tony Amantia over there as well. And you know, you can't can't out Spanish Springs. I mean, they've done, Coach Hummel out there has done some great things, but Spanish Springs loses a ton of talent too. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talent graduating this year. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think, like Chris said, I, I'd be hard pressed to to say that there's going to be another team that will be able to compete in the North with Bishop Minogue moving forward personally, just because of what Ernie Howard's been able to do. I mean, his track record of success at Reed High School, as at a public high school, um, other teams had a very difficult time beating him. And now being at a private school where, you know, you have just some different luxuries and different things afforded to mm -hmm. you, I'd be, I'd be hard pressed to think that, uh, you know, Bishop Minogue's gonna go anywhere. But, you know, I think there are a lot of competitive, there's a lot of talented players. Uh, it's been fun to watch over the last couple of years of, as we've seen. Uh, you know, the, the McNamara's come through and, and, and the different players like that. And, and uh, you know, it's been a fun season again for, for football in northern Nevada. And 
again, it, it's it's neat for Bishop Node to even just get the opportunity to play somebody besides Bishop Gorman because right. it's always been okay. You win the North, and here's your right just to play Bishop Gorman. It was refreshing to not see uh, them in this game. And I would say the North is playing its best football ever. I mean, you see the number of Division One players, FBS level players, Power Five level players coming through Northern Nevada. It's unprecedented, really. You don't usually see three, four, five guys getting Division One scholarships out of a senior class, and you don't usually see a couple of those players going to a Power Five level, which we're going to see with the kid going to Oregon and Jackson Leduc mm -hmm. and Joey Wright going to USC. So uh, the North is in, in very good hands, I think, with the coaches currently in place. And now, can you keep them in place? That's always the big question: is can you get somebody to stay there for 10, 15 years and continue to build up? Uh, we've seen that with a couple of places, and that's why Minogue and Damani Ranch are always winning, is because they've had those coaches in place for more than a decade. And there's also the big question of what happens from the NIAA level. There is a discussion point coming later this month on potentially moving Bishop Gorman up to the 5A level. Right. The North would jump up to the 5A level with them. Uh, so there's a little bit of uncertainty just on uh, you know exactly who the North will be playing eventually to try and win state championships. So a lot to be determined before they hit the field again uh, come next August. But uh, I think it was a great year from the North. Like I said, they developed multiple Division One players. Uh, I think it was a great uh, regional semifinal and regional championship game. And in the end, uh, Minogue kind of showed, uh, you know, and Ernie Halvern kind of showed why he is the best coach in the area in my mm -hmm. estimation uh, because he just continues to win regional titles. It's just can he get a state championship uh, to go with that collection of regional titles. Looking forward now that there aren't any Northern 4A teams uh, remaining, um, when it comes to star power next year, I mean, this year we had, you looked at Jackson LaDuke, we saw Zeke Lee, you know, kind of come, uh, come forward. Um, Elijah out at Fallon is, is an incredible athlete. I can't wait to see him play. But uh, Drew Scolari, I mean, really seeing development there. There's, there's, we talk about graduating talent happens every year, but there's some star power moving up mm -hmm. as well for a number of teams. Yeah, I think it's refreshing to see this continue, and it didn't stop with just, you know, Ali Cajo goes to Alabama right. and, and McNamara goes to Michigan, and now we're seeing the next crop of, of guys. And who knows who, who who's right now is a freshman or an eighth grader or whatever, but I think the bottom line is there is a lot of talent in this area, and coaches are coming here now and understanding that there are players that they need to come see, and, and that's being shown with, with more, like, like you said, with LaDuke and and with, with Joey Wright, and, and there's more coming behind them. Yeah, I mean, there are two sophomores that were sophomores this year that mm -hmm. already have FBS scholarships. Yeah. One has scholarships from Tennessee and Power 5 schools. The other, Ashton Hayes, the Monty Ranch running back. Uh, so there's still a lot of talent in the area, and you look at the top quarterbacks, you're Ethan Colpin at Damani Ranch, you have Drew Scalari at Minogue, and you have Sabo, uh, uh, Tristan Sabo mm -hmm. over at Spanish Springs. They're all coming back as well. So I do think, well, you know, you're going to lose a lot of talent every time a senior class goes out. There is a lot of talent coming back, mm -hmm. uh, and it will be really fun just to see exactly everything breaks down in the north and whether, you know, we can, uh, as a northern group, really surmount a charge against uh, Bishop Gorman or Liberty, whoever comes out of the Las Vegas area. And I think there's a lot of great training programs now that mm -hmm. kids have access to. You know, we've Talk to Duke Williams and his group, the Reno Heat, and what they do when it comes to the seven-on-seven seven and some of their different individualized things with linemen. Or you know, they've they've done things with a lot of different position groups. So I think that also helps the healthiness of the sport in our area. Are these people that are putting a lot of time and effort? Uh, when you look at No Limit and you look at the Heat and those kind of guys, and there's more even beyond that. Uh, you know, Mike Edwards, Big Man Basics, mm -hmm. you know, working with offensive linemen and what, what he's able to do with, with young kids. So I think that, that also helps that there are so many people that are committed to helping grow uh, the next generation of these athletes. And there's always been camps, you know, high school camps at the University of Nevada. They'll, they'll host them in the summertime, mm -hmm. Coach Alt. Um, and, and his staff, they, they, they would literally kind of live off of that sometimes in finding, in finding recruits. But I'd never had heard of groups leaving the area to go to Los Angeles, to go to the Bay Area, to go to wherever and compete against mm -hmm. local talent. And then suddenly maybe a scout goes, 
those, those kids from Reno can play a little bit. Those kids from Vegas can play a little bit, and you're seeing a lot more recruiting. So, yeah, uh, when it comes to the long term, I think it's very, very positive that we're seeing, you know, not just the attention for Northern Nevada, but the folks in Northern Nevada caring and wanting to get these kids scholarships. Uh, coming up next here on NSN Daily, Wolfpack women's basketball team at home for the Nugget Classic. You may have recognized the voice that was on it yesterday here on Nevada Sportsnet. He's about six feet to my right. We'll break that down coming up. Chris? <laughs> Welcome back to NSN Daily, the annual Nugget Classic. Some great crowds coming up. I had a chance to uh, televise uh, Nevada's game against uh, Stephen F. Austin uh, live here uh, on our air. But uh, the ladies come up short in that one, but got a win over uh, Chicago State in game one. Yeah, Nevada wins by 20 in the opener on Friday. Really balanced. It was impressive because Essence Booker and Imani Lacey, the top two scorers on the team, had combined for only 14 points in that game, yet they had scored 80 uh, this is a really deep basketball team. Coach Levins has gone with 11 players uh, often. Uh, she said she'd like to get it down to more like nine, but mm -hmm. doesn't know who those nine are going to be on any given night, which has really benefited them. And they got off to a great start in this game. They had a nine-point lead in the first quarter and, and really were just firing on all cylinders. But this Stephen F. Austin team, it's a great basketball team. I think they're going to be a tournament team this year. I think they were going to go on and win the Southland Conference last year. They were 16-2 and two in their conference and bring back uh, four of their starters from last year's team, and, and uh, they made it really difficult on Nevada, especially uh, inside. They were able to kind of control the game in the paint and, and, and really outscored Nevada there. And, and uh, the Wolfpack just had a, a couple lapses, you know, five or ten minutes here where they just couldn't quite put everything together. Uh, and it turned out to be the difference in the game. Well, SFA went to the women's NIT last year, they too. Did. They did. Yep. had a lot of talent coming yep. back. So that's not just some you know, a team out of the Southland Conference. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty good team. Now, Nevada sitting at 4-2 going into Mountain West Conference play, and they open up with Air Force. Yeah, at the Virginia Street Gym, so that might be a fun little environment. I love that. Exactly. It's free. Yeah. Nice. Free tickets. Nice. How cool is that? I mean, there's no reason that, that shouldn't be sold out. It's only, only seats, what, 2,000 total? Yeah. 2,000 full? I mean, that would be so neat if they could, if they could sell that out. Again, it's free. Might as well come by, stop by. It's a 2 o'clock game on a Saturday. Uh, it's a conference game. Mm -hmm. It's such a fun venue to watch a basketball mm -hmm. game, yeah. too, because it's so intimate. It, we, we had the exhibition uh, for the men's basketball game there last year. It was such a cool environment, and uh, I think it's going to be a really cool environment for the women's game this weekend. I'd be storming the dorms on this one. Get the right? students out for that one. I mean, because it is a Make Saturday. Make it rowdy. Make it rowdy in there yeah. and have fun with it. I mean, it's such a cool environment because if you haven't been inside, you can literally sit above the baskets, like behind, and it's, it's, it's really totally great for volleyball. It's kids. a totally different experience. Like mm -hmm. you said, the, the way you can watch the game, it just it feels like a wholly, totally different experience of being a Lawler. Okay, so non-conference, they go four and two. Mm -hmm. um, looking at the strength of schedule, it's not the hardest schedule, but four and two when you are putting so many pieces New pieces in and young pieces that are now sophomores. Yeah, no, it's been a really solid start. I mean, this was the best team they faced in Stephen F. Austin, and mm -hmm. that one didn't come out in their favor. They're ranked, if you look at the strength schedule, 346 out of 353 Division I teams. So they do get Air Force. Now Air Force is probably the, the worst team in the Mountain West, so you mm -hmm. would hope that that would be a win. And then after that, they go back into non-conference at Utah, at USC, and I think that those two games will show us a lot because those are Pac-12 teams, a little bit higher caliber. Will Nevada be able to score a victory in one of those two? Uh, and then they finish out non-conference play. It is a little weird this year. We are getting an early conference game, kind of, it seems like, out of nowhere. But yeah. the entire schedule 
was pushed up a week because there's a gigantic expo tournament uh, in Las Vegas when they usually host the Mountain West tournament. So uh, both the men's and the women's sides uh, have had to kind of play a non-conference uh, you know, schedule around one conference game in the middle, which is a little weird, but yeah, uh, they have gotten off to a solid start. And like you said, with all the new pieces, they certainly will take a four and two start and continue to learn and grow from there. You look at the Mountain West overall, they're ranked 25th uh, out of 31 teams, uh, 31 divisions in RPI. So it's a very winnable conference this season. I think New Mexico has kind of put themselves out in front and said we're kind of the team to beat. Boise State uh, also up there as well. They've got some really talented players, but would not be shocked if Nevada continues to grow to finish in the top three or four and, and you know challenge for a bye, one of the top five seeds uh, in the Mountain West tournament. And knowing you, I'm sure you're already doing your homework for Wednesday because we have to televise yep. our second Nevada men's game of the year. That's going to be Wednesday night. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I, I want to wrap up with the women's, though, because I, I think what Amanda Levins has done early on in the season has been really good. Mm -hmm. I, I think you have a very, very young basketball team. The, the core of this team is freshmen and sophomores. I think the future of this program is really, really bright, and we're already seeing a lot of contributions from young players. I mean, your top two scorers, again, are both sophomores, and then you're getting a lot of freshmen that are starting and, and getting heavy, heavy minutes. So I'm excited to see how this team just progresses as the season goes on because that's what we saw last year. It was really rocky in the beginning. You're playing a lot of true freshmen. By the end of the year, this was a team that, that, that put it together towards the end of the season. This year, they're in a much better spot having gone played in Spain and, and, and all that, and now I think – um, they are certainly capable, I think. I, they've got enough balance. They've got the, the transfers with Alexander and with, with Effa that I think can make a real difference, especially inside. Um, you know, Effa in particular wasn't as effective in this game. But uh, I think this is a Nevada team that can, like Chris said, I, I think they can make a run in the Mountain West and, and, and be a top-four team as opposed to one of the bottom teams like they've been the last couple of years. On the men's side of things, I'm just excited to see this team again because they, they made so much. A month. They, made, they made so much progress. That's yeah. what it was. I mean, from I didn't see the game at Davidson, but the three games in the Virgin Islands, they played. To me, it was a different game than they were playing the last time fans saw this team at home. Uh, I think they're starting to really develop more into the way Coach Neal and Coach Alford want to run the team offensively, and they're able to put more stuff in. Uh, I think this is a team that's playing like a team. They're defending like a team. Uh, and right now, Jazz Johnson is shooting the lights out, and, and Jalen Harris is showing the ability to be the player that uh, Nevada hoped he would be when they recruited him and got him the transfer from, from Louisiana Tech, and a guy that uh, can make a difference in a lot of areas. He, he was great defensively with a couple steals. He was distributing the basketball, had, had led the team in assists during the tournament, and when Nevada needed somebody to take over and, and get to the basket, he showed the ability to both get to the basket and shoot from the outside. So uh, I'm excited just to see if they can continue and build off of what they did in the Paradise Jam. Paradise Jam champions, but it, like I said, it feels like it was about a month it ago. It does feel like that, doesn't it? Coming up next here on NSN Daily, he's a native of the Silver State who will be representing the red, white, and blue in a bobsled. We'll meet Chase Bluebird next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. You know, you see a lot of athletes, Chris, that move from one sport to another. Baseball to bobsled <laughs> is really not one that I've seen. This is Chase Bluberg, uh, Carson native, who is now, you, you had an injury in baseball, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but I'm gonna, how'd you get into bobsled? Well, uh, it kind of started out as just a conversation with my buddy, Garrig, and uh, he kind of brought it up to me. He kind of researched it to himself. He read a an article about a military guy uh, that uh, got into the sport kind of through just reading an article about a guy yeah. that got into the sport and just right. thought, you know, looked at the numbers and said, you know, I think I can do that. Yeah. 
and uh, he kind of researched it for himself for a little while and kind of, you know, figured that it wasn't exactly his expertise, but he kind of brought it to me. He said, hey, you know, I think you should uh, look into this. I think you have a shot. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we kind of laughed about it and said, all right, you know, let's see what it is. And uh, we went and uh, they hold open combines, you know, all throughout the country, throughout the year. And you just go, you try out. It's yeah. a sprint, a broad jump, and you kind of throw a shot put like a granny style, how you would throw a, do yeah. a basketball, yeah. you know, and that's it. And whoever scores the highest, uh, that's uh, kind of who they're going to take. And okay. you got to hit a certain threshold of points. Uh, it's 500 points in the combine out of 600. And if you hit 500, you, uh, you know, they'll invite you kind of to the next step to train at the Olympic Training Center. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, you know, hit, I scored 514 uh -huh. out of 500. And it was actually the highest score of the year of all the combines. Wow. And, you know, uh, didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually, you know, it was funny. My uh, Gary said, all right, it's a track. You got to be a track athlete. You know, we got to go out to the track and run. So I went and bought a $10 pair of track cleats. And <laughs> uh, we went out there and I took off sprinting and about tore my hamstring in half, yeah. I felt like. And I was like, oh, God, this isn't going to work. Yeah. This isn't going to work. Uh, so I ended up just not running, you know, till the day of the combine. You know, I remember thinking, I said a little prayer. I was like, I hope it just doesn't explode when I do this. But, you know, I took off, ran, and, you know, held together. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, perform pretty well that day. And so got a, in the next few days, I was talking to Mike Dion. Uh, he's one of the coaches for Team USA, which was, you know, crazy That's to me. You know, I was, yeah, I was talking well. to him like, uh, you know, what, what's going on? How's, how's it going? And uh, I was like, uh, we might have the wrong number. I don't know if he's <laughs> called the right person. But, yeah, he goes, you know, we want to have you out there and bring you out to Lake Placid and, uh, you know, train there for about two weeks where they're going to test some more, like, strength numbers and uh, kind of see if you can do it mm -hmm. or not, you know, because it kind of comes down, you know, a big thing a lot of people told me is, you know, you can be strong, you can be fast, you can have everything, but it really kind of comes down to who can push it and who can't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I went and kind of performed pretty well. And uh, they let me know uh, kind of at the end of the two weeks. They said, you know, we want to bring you back and we think you can do this and we'll have you race for Team USA this winter. And, uh, you know, I was, again, I mean, can you, are you talking to the right person? Because, <laughs> you know, this, this might be wrong. But, uh, yeah, pretty excited. Uh, it went, you know, a lot better than expected. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a big blessing for me and my family. And, uh, you know, for the whole community and, you know, everyone's just really taking a liking to it. It's been, it's been a fun thing. What's the feeling like when you're in a sled going down the mountain? I mean, it's pretty intense. I mean, there, there are, uh, sounds like a hurricane coming yeah. down the hill. I mean, it's, when they go by, you think, oh my gosh, like that, that, that's just a train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a speed sport, it's explosive, it's fun, it's fast, it's intense, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're into it, and, you know, it's, and, you know, for a guy like me, it's, you know, kind of up my alley. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Now, Wolfpack fans may recognize the last name Bluebird. Your brother Colby was a pitcher yeah. at the University of Nevada, played there. Um, you were a baseball player as well. When, uh, I got to ask you, your mom's off camera. I got to meet your mom, who's yeah. awesome. Mom yeah. and dad are here. Um, when you went to your mom and said, I want to try an Olympic bobsled. Yeah. What was her reaction? What were your parents' reaction to that? Uh, they kind of wanted to know, uh, you know. How much is this going to cost? How much <laughs> is this going to cost? You know, are you going to die? What, how, what, what all entails, you know, kind of kind of presented to them, you know, hey, I'm going to go try and do this thing. And, you know, uh, you know, kind of wasn't uh, real until it happened, you yeah. know, for the level of, you know, uh, the team I was trying out for. It wasn't till really real till you know, 
wearing yeah, USA wearing, stuff, yeah, you know, and, and, and yeah, you know, and uh, so it's, uh, they, they were, you know, kind of, everyone's kind of caught off guard mm -hmm. and then now, you know, everyone's pretty dang excited yeah. after seeing, you know, how real it is and, you know, seeing that I'm going to get to race for Team USA is pretty dang exciting. Everyone's, everyone's pretty happy about it. I mean, this area kind of breeds Winter Olympians. I mean, <laughs> Lake Tahoe, I mean, Crystal Palmer is going to be in the summer games uh, as diving from Douglas, but to be able to say that and wear the red, white, and blue, I mean, it's, it's a big deal to represent a university or a high school, something like that, but you're representing a country. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's patriotism. It's, you know, right. USA. It's, you know, when you're training there and you see, you know, the red, the white, and the blue, it's, you know, the whole, you know, name on the front's bigger than the name on the back. Right, and, right, right. Uh, that whole mantra is, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's the, it is the truest thing in the world. You know, you can't be more honored to be able to represent your country. You know, and you're not competing against another college or another thing. You're competing mm -hmm. against Germany, Russia, right. China, you know, all these, it's, something everyone can kind of get behind you right. know it's uh no one's no one's not rooting for team usa in any way you know and so it's fun to kind of be in that uh sort of environment where there's just a ton of support for it it's, it's a ton of fun so what's your winter look like uh you got some events coming up uh yeah busy i think it's yeah. i'm gonna be up at mount rose skiing a lot <laughs> no yeah i know sadly enough i some of my uh snowboarding gear is gonna have to be shelved for a little bit but uh yeah no they're gonna bring me back in january to train I uh, got uh, a message from a pilot yesterday uh, about a circuit in Austria, Germany, and Switzerland coming up end of January into February, uh, and they said I should be racing in the North American Cup circuit here in Lake Placid, uh, Calgary, Canada, and uh, Park City, Utah in about March to the rest of the season, and uh, you know, so that's kind of, I'm starting kind of halfway mm -hmm. in the season on to the end, and then for the years coming, it's going to be kind of doing the full season after that, up until you know the games or you know and thereafter. And so, yeah, it's an exciting, uh, exciting winter coming up. It's going to be different. <laughs> going to need to get some uh, warm clothes. <laughs> Obviously, these aren't professional athletes. Um, it's not cheap to do this. Uh, you guys did set up a GoFundMe account, and in literally four days or just days, it's it's got eleven thousand dollars. Uh, put in it from people that are anonymous, people that are putting in 250 bucks, a thousand dollars, 50 bucks, whatever. To see this type of reaction from from locals and people going, you know what, I want to help. Yeah. It's not just you, but you help your family Absolutely. do this and, and get to this. Has to be kind of overwhelming. Oh, I mean, the support has been you know astronomical in the sense you know in the last article that was in the the paper, I just said put my number in it, let mm -hmm. them call me, you yeah. know, and I, I I got to talk on the phone to people that are just want to talk to me, you know, want to see, you know, want to ask, you know, about it. They're excited about a local kid, you know, that uh, is doing this. Yeah. And, you know, I, I loved it. I ate it up because it's just, it's so cool to be doing something that, uh, you know, people are just excited about. It's fun to be in the middle of something that is, you know, uh, people want to be a part of. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm blown away and touched by, you know, I have, you know, people that are my friends that are my own age that are donating, you mm -hmm. know, and people that I don't even know that are donating and family and friends. It's just, I'm touched, and you know it, it, it. You know my family's touched. Everyone is uh, very blessed, and you know thankful to everybody uh, that has given. It's a, a huge, huge blessing, and uh, it's been 
it's been fun, you know. It's uh, it's cool seeing you know the community support it. Right, right. I mean, that's Northern Nevada. I mean, anytime mm -hmm. somebody's in need or somebody's or they're they're trying to achieve a goal, people step up in this area, and mm -hmm. it happens. If you want to check it out, go to GoFundMe.com and just search Chase Bluebird B L U E B E R G and uh, yeah, help out. I mean, any anything. Any donation helps, large, small, but make it large. <laughs> yeah, that's the Proud goal. Proud of you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. coming Thank by, you. Chase Bluesburg. Uh, also, if you missed any of this, you can check it out on our website, nevadasportsnet.com. We're going to make sure that it makes the website and we can uh, help out in any way we can. Absolutely. Chase, Thank you. Done. Thank you. We'll have much more coming up here on NSN Daily right after this. Chris's Bills won on Sunday. But if you're a Bay Area football fan, it was uh, kind of a kind of a rough uh, Sunday. One team got blown out, and one team found that uh, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens are very much for real. Lamar Jackson in this one, absolutely outstanding once again. Uh, and it was almost like the 49ers just tried to tried to contain him. I mean, you, you saw the pass rush, not necessarily back off, but it was trying not let him get outside and. It didn't matter. Uh, this game, game came down to a, a field goal, and uh, San Francisco loses this one by three to drop to 10-2, and two, and the Ravens improved to 10-2. and two. Yeah, to me, you know, I know this is disappointing for 49er fans, but a part of me feels like some of this stuff is encouraging because we got to a point in the season where everyone's saying, okay, the Niners haven't played anybody, right? Then they go and play Seattle, and, and they lose that game in overtime, but they show that they can compete mm -hmm. with Seattle, and, and they very well could have won that game, uh, but they didn't. You know, they didn't make enough plays, and, and some different calls go here and there, but they still fought to that game to the very end. Then you take on a Ravens team in this incredible offense, and to limit them the way that they did, I think, compared to a lot of other teams, I think, to me, I think it just shows that this 49ers team is definitely for real. I think they can compete and, and uh, be a team that can, can vie for a Super Bowl. And they've shown that they can compete with the best teams in the NFL. They haven't come out on top in, in a couple of those games. But, I mean, you're still talking about a football team that's 10-2 and two, and their only two losses are the Ravens and the Seahawks. Uh, I think if you're a Niners fan, you have to feel pretty good yeah, about Yeah, Raheem that. Mostert was outstanding in mm -hmm. this one, over 100 yards rushing. Let's go to the other side of the Bay where things are – not necessarily as uh, as bright as they are. In we Santa should just Clara. keep talking about the 49ers because okay. the Raiders are irrelevant, <laughs> basically. I mean, they're, they're fine, but they're not a playoff caliber team that's going to go out and win games. They're young. Yeah, I mean, they, they were kind of exposed the last couple of weeks. You lose to a Jets team that's not very good, and then you go up against a team that, to me, is Super Bowl caliber in the Chiefs, and you get absolutely blown out. Derek Carr has not played very well the last couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, they're just at a completely different level from the 49ers. If you told me the 49ers won the Super Bowl, I would not be shocked. I'd actually be heartened by what I've seen if I'm a 49ers fan over the last couple of games. Uh, the Raiders are kind of going in the wrong direction, mm -hmm. but they should be able to win seven, eight games, and, you know, that's probably a successful season based on what the projections were preseason. Finish it out for the 49ers schedule-wise, Saints, Falcons, Rams, and Seahawks. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, when do we think these, pun these punishments and penalties are going to be handed down? We'll kind of break that down as we wrap things up. Well, that was ugly on Saturday uh, after the game. We know that there are going to be penalties and suspensions when do we expect them I think it's going to take a couple days and why not I mean get every single piece of footage you need they're not playing games right now mm -hmm. uh, Nevada's going to a bowl you know these seasons over so take a couple of days get all the information you can and there should be suspensions there has to be suspensions I think you for me I hope it comes soon just because I want it to be over with you mm -hmm. know you, you yep. hand out the suspensions let's move on and, and I think Nevada wants to move on UNLV doesn't matter yeah uh, they won't be impacted till next year but if there are yeah we're out of time we'll see you next time